Oh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence in this place. Oh, Lord, we thank you this place is filled with your host of angels. That, Lord, the cloud of witnesses stand with us. But your spirit is here. We want to honor you, Holy Spirit, to say, have your way here. Let Jesus be glorified. Let the Father be lifted up. Lord, let the words that we speak be words of power and life. Let they be the words of heaven. Lord, let it be done here on earth, today in this place as it is in heaven. That you are glorified. We want to bless you. We want to honor you, Lord. Honor you in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, it was it was quite an incredible trip. You know, we've talked about. It. I mean, I think Shara posted that we've been saving for twenty five years. That's not quite right. <laughs> we've talked about it for twenty five years. Like Dale says, you know, having babies does sort of make it challenging. Um, they need to be a bit older. But it came down to seven airfares, a thousand dollar drop. That's seven thousand dollars. You know, and we had literally to the cent on that day enough to buy the airfares. To the cent. You know, we, we pulled everything we'd had because we've been saving and, you know, you, you, you don't take out good practice when you start to live by faith. All right? It doesn't mean you just chuck the rest of the world out and go, oh, God's going to take care of it. We'd been saving for a while. We had... We had a fair bit. We'd, we'd invested a little bit of money. We had some money from that and so on. And so it came down to that day that we had enough. And we went, you know what? Let's just do it. Amen. So we did it and we bought the airfares. But in doing that, that meant we had absolutely nothing. All right. And this was what, six weeks? A month before we went. All right. Um, I also had to go in and convince my work because I hadn't really been at work for two months because I had the back problem. So that was a little fun, you know, walking back in and going, hey, I'm back, but guess what? (laughs) I'm going again. Um, And then so we had enough and then we worked out that we could, so, you know, over the next couple of weeks we had enough to buy our, our first four nights accommodation in London and our last four nights of the whole time there in Rome. So we knew we were going to finish. We knew we were going to start. We had nothing in the middle. All right? Absolutely nothing. And it was amazing, actually, the peace that we had going. I'm not saying it was the whole time. Um, but there was, there was a real peace going. And so we, you know, we went and we saw the money multiply for Thailand. Um, so we were able to book that. Got a good rate with that, too. And that, that all worked out. Dale told you that story. But then going on and, and getting into London, and that was cool. And the great thing about places like London and Rome and Florence and that is, is you do most things for free. You know, you can go to the National Museum. We, we did all the free stuff. We didn't need to spend a lot of money, which was really cool. We used the public transport. Once you work that out, it's all easy. The big deal, the big expense for us with seven of us is the accommodation. All right? Because, you know, you can get a place for $100, $100 a night. That's cool when there's one or two of you even three of you, when there's seven of you, 
it multiplies. And there would be nights throughout the trip where we would be sitting there trying to get the next night accommodation. And so you'd sort of find places that had Wi-Fi and sitting there on our phones and tablets and scrolling through lists of accommodation to find something that was within what we could afford and what we had in our hand um, that was big enough to take us all. You know, and it, it had moments of stress. I'm not going to put it aside. There are times where it's 11 o'clock at night and we're trying to find the next night's accommodation. You know, um, and this was pretty well the whole trip. That's how it went, step by step by step. Um, but God keep op- keeps opening it up, you know. So we say it's not the ideal way to travel. If you're a highly structured person, I'm probably not the person to travel with. <laughs> hey, Dale. <laughs> Because while it has its moments and I have my moments of, ah, I actually don't mind that. You know, I, I'm, it, it is my personality. I like shiny things. You know, I like new things. I think that's why we sort of plant churches, because they're new shiny things, you know. Um, so I am. I'm, I'm a fan of the, I like the shiny things. I don't mind flying by the seat of my pants most times. Um, not having the money to pay for the next thing, that I find a little stressful. <laughs> You know, um, so maybe I'll, let me just run through the journey, shall we? And just share a bit of what happened. You know, we got into London, we had a great time walking around and so on. Um, and then we had to hire a car to travel through Wales. And so scrolling through sites trying to find a car that's big enough for all of us but doesn't cost the end of the earth. And we found one that was fantastic and headed out to Heathrow to get it and had a few incidents on the way out to Heathrow to pick up the car. Um, because we've been in London four days and we're picking the car from Heathrow rather than driving it through the middle of London. Um, so we got, a little, got there a little late by the time we got there and by the time we actually picked up the car, it was all a bit late and we were supposed to heading up north to Birmingham and, and about everyone that we sort of met and discussed just looked at us and went, don't do it. Just don't do the drive. It was Friday afternoon. They said it'll just be bumper to bumper traffic the whole way. It's going to take you about five hours to drive it. And it was already about... 2.30 in the afternoon, so not really something you want to do with young kids and so on. So we thought, look, you know, things have changed a bit, the world's changed a bit because there are a few things that happened that get to that point. So let's just head straight to Wales. We're going to go up there, then we're going to head down to Wales. Let's go straight to Wales, we'll get accommodation there, it's all cool. So we go out to the car and what they told me the car was was not the car was. Um, you know, this car takes, comfortably takes five bags. I put two of the kids' small suitcases because Dale and I shared a case, so we had a big one, but all the kids had just had small ones, so we only had six cases. I put two of the kids' small suitcases in the boot. It was full. I went, oh. So I went back and chatted with the lady, and, you know, so they go, well, we can give the next one up, but obviously there's a price that goes with that. So we negotiated and, you know, said this wasn't really what you said and on the website, and they're going, well, you know, they're back and forth. So we ended up getting a bigger car for half price, which is really cool. So we've got this big nine-seater van. Now, I don't know if you've driven through England... But you don't want big in England. But So that was fun for the rest of the trip, driving down alleyways. To give you an idea of the size of this van compared to the road, we were driving down one... Look, this road had a number, so it's a main road. All right? There was a motorbike coming the other way. For us to get past motorbike, not car, motorbike, we had to put the motorbike into the hedge on the side... We had to fold the mirrors in on the van and then we had to pretty well drive into the hedge on the other side 
And even then, literally, it would have been about six mil difference between the edge of the car and the motorbike. All right. So that's the sort of thing we were driving around in. Think Ford Transit extended. Huh? But see, but see, God, but God's refunding me because He knows what's come up. You know, and I'm I'm driving this van, and it's this whopping big diesel. I mean, the thing just didn't use any fuel. It was fantastic. It, it was the most economical thing I've ever driven. That had to be a God thing because it was just it was brilliant. You know, because the price of fuel is twice what we pay here, um, and it had interesting revving going with it, and you know, a bit of interesting driving. But once we got used to it, it was all good. Um, except it had this seat warmer that was that was right. Every time I pulled my leg back, I kept kicking this button. I mean, it was 38 degrees over there, so it was hot, you know, and this seat keeps hitting up and burning my bum. <laughs> so there you go, bit of a, got my hot flushes in the wrong areas, yeah. Um, but because I kept knocking this button, it's like, oh, the seat's getting hot, hold on. Find this button. But that first night we drive to Wales, and um, there's this event in Wales that happens every couple of years, and it happened to be this weekend that we rock up in Wales, um, some big motorbike race, and Literally within two hours' drive of Cardiff, there was no accommodation. Actually, I shouldn't say no. There was one place that was a two-star hotel that we, 7 o'clock at night, talked to this taxi driver on the side of the road, and he's ringing around, and we're ringing around, and he says, I found one place. He says, it's a two-star hotel. It will cost you 400, was it 480 pounds per night per room, and you need two rooms. And he looked at us and he says, and you don't want to go there. <laughs> so we went, you know, no thanks. So essentially a thousand night a room for a two-star room. And this is already seven o'clock at night. So you know, what are we going to get, about four or five hours in this place? Don't think so. So that was when we decided, look, we're going to sleep in the car. So this is that moment where you go, thank you, God, we have a bigger car. You know, if we'd had the other one, the other one was a seven-seater. Can you imagine seven us sleeping in a seven-seater? You know, where there's no room in the luggage. We had a nine-seater. This thing had so much room in the luggage compartment, we stacked all the bags up on one side and Ben slept across the rest of it with space. That's how much space was in the boot. You know what I mean? And the rest of them then were able to sort of stretch out across the seats because there was room. And you go... God's so cool. You know, what's, what's a hassle that morning suddenly becomes a blessing that night. And you've got to go there with God that just because you've got a problem in front of you, it doesn't mean God's not in the middle of it. Sometimes he brings problems our way because he knows what's up ahead. You know what I mean? So don't be whinging at God that, oh, this is a problem, this is a hassle. Sometimes he's got a way through. Well, he's always got a way through, but he does bring them sometimes because he's got a bigger plan. So we're sleeping in this car and, you know, attitude is an amazing thing. And it's in those moments you find what your real attitude is. And I had to tell the kids to stop laughing and go to sleep. (laughs) Not what you expect when you're sleeping in the car, nine o'clock at night. But we had to tell them to stop laughing and messing around and go to sleep because they were having a ball. Anyway, so we, we find this really nice, quiet street. It was a beautiful street. There was a park next to it. We thought kids could wake up, play in the park in the morning. 
There was a water fountain there. Cool. It's all good. So quarter past nine, everyone snuggles down, got them all quiet. Street's quiet. It's fantastic. The sun goes down. Now, we'd flown through Abu Dhabi, so we knew it was Ramadan. Ramadan for the Muslims is they don't eat between sun up and sun down throughout Ramadan. All right? When the sun goes down, they can eat. Sun went down. We discovered that we were in the Muslim quarter of Cardiff. <laughs> because suddenly the streets were full of people coming out to find food. <laughs> and we went, this is no longer the quiet spot we thought it was. <laughs> because the streets were full <laughs> of people. We went, okay. So we drove around and found another place and stayed the night. And there's stories to go with that we don't want to go into. <laughs> people parking behind us. And their nocturnal activities. <laughs> I'll leave that to your imagination. <laughs> Thus, it wasn't a great night's sleep for, for me anyway, because I had the mirrors and could see what was going on around us. <laughs> Every night I slept beautifully. <laughs> like they say, when the cars are rocking, don't go knocking. <laughs> so I didn't. I stayed where I was. <laughs> But like you know, but the kids woke up. They were happy. They were they were great. You know, this was the time I forgot the seat had a warmer when I could have remembered it had a warmer because it was cold. <laughs> of all times, but you know, we went out and we the next day we went and hung out with um, Justin and Rachel Abraham. Um, Justin was over here, um, so we went and had lunch with them and went around one of the castles with them and had a fantastic day just hanging out with them. Um, and then, you know, we checked into a hotel. It cost us $100 the next night. That's how much this ridiculous, you know, whole bike thing was gone, the town leaves. Yeah, and then from there, God really, you know, so we're sitting in this hotel going, where do we go now? And every place we looked at, again, the accommodation was so expensive. We're trying to find somewhere to stay for a few nights in Wales. And it's just so expensive. And we knew how much we had in the bank account and what it was going to cost. And, but in the middle of that, this place just pops up. It's in the middle of Wales, this farm property, and this property has got, I think it's about five bedrooms. Each bedroom's got its own ensuite. You know, sitting in the middle of this, this farm with this stream running through it, and, you know, and it just, it, these things just, I'm seriously, we're looking, we're looking, and there's nothing, and then they just pop up. And it's like, we've been through this site, we've been through here. You know, and suddenly it's free. And what they've been doing is they've been doing maintenance on the property. They've been building a fence, which obviously is noisy, so they didn't want to lease the property out while they're building this fence. And so they just finished the fence, they put the property back up. And things like that kept happening. You know, so no, it normally would have been well and truly booked out and all gone, you know, but it pops back up because they've just finished their work. Okay, we can put it back on the market now for, for leasing. And it was the right price. You know, beautiful place, Christian guy, you know, who lives in the next town, was really excited that we were pastors and, you know, he came down and sharing all about his town, got really excited and, and it was just a real blessing staying in this place. And, you know, the kids went from sleeping in the car to having their own room with their own ensuite, each of them. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the blessing of God, that he just makes the way through. You know, and so we um, were able to have a great time there. We drove down to a place called... Have you told the Angle story? There's a place called Angle in southern Wales. And it's where Dales, if you go back about five generations, four generations, 
great-great-great-grandmother comes from and was married. And she had this birth certificate of this is the place that she was married in. Sorry? Marriage certificate. Like marriage certificate for where she was married before she went out to New Zealand. So we thought, let's go down there. So we drove down there. It was about an hour and a half drive, and we rock up in this little town. Had the best coffee in the whole trip. This little out-of-the-way shack on the beach. You know, I walked in at 4 o'clock, and they give you that look of, we want to close, go away. And made me a coffee, but I thought, I've got to drive all the way home. I want coffee. And it was the best coffee I drank, I think, in the whole trip. It was awesome. God, so good. But we rock up to this church, and we're wandering around this church and trying to find, you know, tombstones of relatives of Dales and so on. We found a few. It was really cool. And we're about to leave, and we walked past, and someone, we were around the back, and as we came around the front, the door of the church had been opened. So we thought, I'll stick our head in. So we stuck our head in, and there's this lady in there, and we start talking to her and discover that she's a relative of Dale's. And the church that Sunday was actually having, because they're on the beach, were having the service down at the surf club as part of the dedication for the surf club and stuff like that. So they weren't actually using the church that Sunday. And she had come back in to pick up a dustpan and broom at that moment for the stuff they were doing down there. And you're going, how much did God have to organise that? to put us there at that time and her there at that time and they go through and, and everything they all want to find out, she finds out with this lady. That you find that they both have the same great-great-great-great-grandmother. Isn't that so, God? You know, on that day, at that time, you know, this, this is what God does. When you hang out with God, he makes a way. You know? And we saw that, and then we rocked back through and stayed in a couple of uh, Premier Inns. If you were going to, to England, just Premier Inns, cheap as. All right? So we sort of would stay in Premier Inns in between staying in places and stayed up in the, in the Cotswolds and so on. And Then we, we were getting flights. We had to get down, obviously, to Italy because we were leaving Italy. So we had to get flights from England into Florence, because we'd, we'd found, a, again, a cheap accommodation in Florence. There was a nice apartment. Ended up being this beautiful place, six stories up, overlooking Florence. You know, it is this beautiful location. But we had to get there. And so we finally found some flights, and, you know, because most places wanted to go via Germany, Switzerland, Greece, or anyone else. And, you know, it's a one and a half hour flight. It was going to take us 14 hours, sort of stuff. And we eventually found this flight. We booked it through this agency that had them. Uh, and they came back two hours later after we'd all confirmed and said your flight's been cancelled. And this is 11.30 at night, you know, and we're flying next day and we're going, this is not good. So we went back through, I thought, well, we know there's those. So we went back through British Airways, we had the, the, booked the flights with, and actually went straight through them, and we ended up getting the flight, same flight, same plane, same seats, for about 20% less. Isn't that God? You know, you think, oh, this is a problem. An hour later, we save money. And so we get on this plane, and it's actually, they're partnering with an airline called Vueling, which is Spanish, and Spanish airline. So we get on this plane, which is quite hilarious, watching Shara speak Italian to the Spanish hostesses. <laughs> Practicing Italian as we go into Italy, and then just looking at her and laughing. Because it was hilarious. And so by the end of the flight, she'd mixed up Spanish, French, and English, and Italian in trying to talk to them and just had half the plane in raucous laughter at, you know, 
her butchering of pretty well every language. That <laughs> and and she, she'd had this joke going in there that, you know, she says, she, she practiced grazia. And she, what she would she say was grazias. <laughs> and she'd say it as a joke. And we said, you're going to say it. If you keep saying it like that, you're going to say it. She goes, no, 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 grazia. So in the middle of all this fluster, she comes out with grazias. <laughs> Which was just it for the hostesses, you know, they were done by then. So we get into Florence and can't get a taxi um, because there's seven of us and taxis only take six. So we're standing in this queue um, with this mass of people and there's no taxis coming. And eventually they start coming one by one and we're trying to convince the taxi drivers to take us. And after about, what, 20 minutes, half an hour, the whole line of the plane is trying to convince the taxi player, taxis to take us. And they're going, they're just little, they're just little. It's a whole lot of Americans and so on. And it was actually quite hilarious. This, this highly stressful thing where we can't get transport at what, midnight to, this, to, the, to our accommodation. It's not very far. And the whole of the taxi line is saying, take them, you've got to take them, they're only little. Taxi driver, no, no, six, 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 no, seven, seven. And we couldn't get anyone to actually, because they said, oh, there's two taxis that have seven people, you know. We're going, well, can we get someone to contact them? Because we've got no way of contacting them, you know, we can't. And no one, no one was going to do it and, and this whole, and this is what God did all the way through. This, this stressful situation of we can't get to where we want to go becomes this highly entertaining thing of everybody else jumping in. And finally, they, someone you know, got two taxis because they they're coming one at a time. And so we didn't really want to be split up with you know, little kids and so on. We wanted to go there. Eventually, someone convinced two of the drivers to come together. And so they came to pick us up. And the whole line's cheering and yelling. And, <laughs> and it's like, this should be really stressful and worrying. And it wasn't at all. And it's actually quite hilarious. Yeah, and this is what God's doing all the way through. You get the right attitude, everyone else is jumping on board. You know, and literally there's about 70, 80 people in this line all going, yeah, yeah, you know, thinking we've got your taxis, so too bad, yeah. <laughs> and we get to the accommodation and it's really quite beautiful and very helpful. We had a fantastic time in Florence of just walking around and it was 38 degrees for about 10, eight, 10 days while we were there, so it was hot. You know, we'd go out in the morning and go out at night and... Um, but it was just where God put us um, was just really pleasant and a real blessing. Um, then we couldn't get train tickets down to Rome because the websites only take five at a time. One of the, one of the other things you'll find when you have booked more than five people at a time is you can't book a lot of things because they only take five at a time. I don't know what it is about websites, but something about six is just an evil number for them or, you know, you can't go above that. And we've found this all our life. Every time we try and book large numbers, we have to actually go through. So we go to this little travel agent across the road from where we're staying because we're in the middle of the... We weren't in the tourist quarter. We were in the, like, where the locals were, which was really cool in Florence. It was really nice. If you ever go to Florence, stay in that area. It's much nicer than the tourist area. Um, so we go across this guy, but no one speaks English, by the way. So get used to that. <laughs> You know, getting, getting train tickets into, like, we're trying to get to the local bus tickets. Having conversations with, you know, 70-year-old Italian guys trying to work out bus tickets is hilarious when you don't speak enough Italian to tell them what you want and they don't speak enough English to tell you what they want and you sit there going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and we're laughing and he's laughing and none of us is getting anywhere. But eventually we got the tickets and it was all good. No, that was in Rome. In Rome, we're trying to do the same thing. It's amazing attitudes of people. Like in Florence, the guy was laughing. In Rome, the guy was going, I don't care. 
you know, um, and, and this homeless person who we'd seen on the street begging walks in, tells the guy what we want, and we end up with the right ticket because he was trying to give us this all-day ticket. We didn't want an order ticket. We just wanted a one-way ticket into, into the metro area. And, and he was like, no, this is what you want. We're going, you know, trying to, with our worst Italian probably, you know, go backwards and forward. This homeless person walks in and goes, blah, 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 and he goes, oh, and pulls out what we want. And literally, she just walked in and said it. It was quite bizarre, wasn't it? You know? And then off she wanders and was like, okay, that's cool. So, yeah, we go to this travel agent in Florence to book these train tickets. He doesn't speak much English. We don't speak, you know, really Italian. But we, we got to cross and did the whole thing, no charge. Just books our tickets. It's all good. No worries. And God just keep putting these people in there and in there all the way through that would just step in. You know, um, we, we had times where we didn't actually didn't know how we were going to pay for the accommodation at one point for our next bit and how we are going to pay for our flights. And I still don't know how we did. We went, we went about $8,000 short when we left here. We were about $8,000 short in cash. All right? Um, and we did the whole thing and we came back and we don't know how. I've got to be honest, I don't know how. You know, there was, there was times where we were going, literally there's $200 in our bank account. And we've got to book something. So let's go, let's see what we can find. Okay, we found this stuff. We go back to the bank account and there was money in there and we don't know where it came from. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. well, we, we know there are certain people, like I, I know my parents, have, you know, they gave us a little bit of money here, but I'm not talking thousands of dollars. <laughs> you know. But there were times where it was just like, you know, um, and we didn't get, we spent one night in a hotel and we'd booked it online and we ended up, we said, look, we want to stay a second night. And they said, sure. Um, so they gave us the rate the second night and it was actually better than the first night. We went, oh, that's cool. All right. So she said, do you want to pay for those now? I said, yeah. So she charged us for the second night and they didn't charge us for the first night. And we sort of went, and she said, no, you pay through the website. And I know we didn't pay for it through the website because the whole thing was just a booking and you pay when you get there. No, no, it's all paid for. And those things kept popping up, things like that. You know what I mean? And it's like, okay, that's cool. And that's what God does. And this is, you know, we talk about walking by faith. We talk about stepping out into the unknown. And it's really great in theory, but when you're faced with it, you know, and it's also one thing, like if it was Dale and I, I probably would have been less stressed at times. But when you got kids with you, you know, and there were times I just thought, you know what, I just want to change our tickets to London let's just go home. I had a couple of moments like that because I'm thinking, I don't know how we're going to pay for the next, like, eight days. But God just took care of it. I actually don't know how we paid for it. I still can't work it out. You know? Um, it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. The figures don't work. But that's God. Amen. You know, and it was, and we went from, you know, the low was the night sleeping in the car, obviously. You know, true to the highs of staying in, in, you know, the places we stayed in were absolutely beautiful. Where we stayed in, in Rome, I mean, 
Rome's Rome, you know. Um, but where we stayed in Rome was we'd actually walk out of the city and step was like a not convent that had sort of been turned into accommodation to help pay for whatever they're doing. You'd step out of the city, you'd step through these gates into this convent area, and there would be this breeze blowing through the place, wouldn't there? You'd literally step onto the driveway and this cool breeze would blow down there. And it's like it would drop about 10 degrees because it's 38 degrees. And it was just this peace thing. And it was just to, that God put us in places like that. You know, where we stayed in Florence, that you just walked in and, and you stood, sit on the band of the balcony and just see the city. And you're going, we ain't paying what this is worth. You know, where we stayed in Wales, that they just happened to be building a fence so they couldn't lease it out at the peak season because there was nothing else around. You know, and then it opens up into the most beautiful places and we taught our kids to skip rocks on the river and things like that. You know, this is God. Yeah, it was really cool to, to drop in um, where Evan Roberts, I don't know if you heard much about Evan Roberts and the revival, the Welsh revival, 100,000 people got saved, to rock up into the church where it all started and to feel the presence of God in that place. If you ever go to Wales, you've got to go down there, down in Swansea, and just feel that there's this presence of God. And the guy is talking for about, what, half an hour, 40 minutes? I didn't hear a word he said. <laughs> We're just sitting there going, sitting in the presence of God. <laughs> you keep talking because we'll just see it, you know. <laughs> you know, it was just, it was powerful. That God opens these ways up. And I want to encourage you that when we talk about faith and, and I guess as a church, as we go into a season now where we, we're going to have to take some faith steps over the next couple of years, you know, and they start now that we don't know necessarily how we're going to get there. You know, we were talking before that we would love a script, you know. Um, but it's a bit like, I guess, a bit like our journey. We knew we were starting, we knew we were ending, but we had no idea how the middle worked out. You know, and that's a bit where we're going as a church and, and it, will, it will test our faith. You know, this place in two years' time will not exist as it is. We have to navigate that. You know, we've talked about starting new churches and new campuses and God's really speaking to us and saying we need to start pushing that way. We need to work out how are we going to do that. Because, one, we've got to pay for the thing. You know, and at the moment we're meeting our bills and that's about where we're at as a church. You know, but that's all we need to be at. You know what I mean? And if we want to see change, we've got to take that faith step into, a, into that new area. You know, God didn't need to provide a place in Wales if we weren't getting on the plane and going there. You know what I mean? He didn't need to provide for the air tickets if we weren't getting on a plane and going there. But as you stretch your faith into what God has for you, then you see God's provision. It doesn't work, he provides, then you do. You do and he provides. That's faith. You know what I'm saying? You do and he provides. Now, you don't get into presumption. You need to go to God and say, is this God's plan for my life? You need to be sure. Because when the heat is on, you need to know. When the pressure's on, you need to know that you are where God wants you to be. And if you don't know, you'll cave, you'll buckle, you'll fall back. And you know what? We've had disappointments throughout life. 
There are times where we've stepped out and things haven't gone as we planned. Where it's been challenging and it hasn't gone well. And it's easy to look at those times and go, God missed it. But God never misses it. If there's something not right, it has to be. And there were times where I'm sitting there and there's no money and we've got nowhere to stay the next day and I'm sitting there going, okay, God, I know it's not you, so it has to be me. All right? And that's a hard thing to say, that we've missed it. But the alternative is if we haven't missed it, then it's God that's missed it. And that's a tough call, isn't it? Because God doesn't miss it. And I don't know about you, but I don't like looking at myself in those light, that light and going, oh man. You know, and so you examine yourself and you deal with your stuff and you make sure you're in the right place. And they're really good times just to zip it. You know, because Mark says, by what you pray and by what you say. And too often we pray one thing and then we go and say the opposite. And you have to put aside the same. You know, if, if, if it's not happening and your faith is not at that level, then your faith is not at that level and you have to build your faith. You know, I didn't start this, we didn't do this 25 years ago because we probably didn't have the faith to do it 25 years ago. We weren't in a place to sit in the middle of Wales and go, I've got no money and nowhere to stay tomorrow night. Oh, God will take care of it. I know 25 years ago, I was not in that place. <laughs> 25 years ago, I was trying to find somewhere for us to actually live. <laughs> yeah, if you want to go back to that. It was an eating, yeah, it was, a, it was. For us, 25 years ago, it was food. It was like, we have two-minute noodles for the rest of the week. That's all we can afford until payday on Thursday. That's where we were. We're at a $25 a week grocery bill. That's where our faith was. You know, it's nice to know in 25 years we've grown a little bit. Don't worry so much about the food bill so much anymore. And now it's, you know, other things. But that's it. You've always got something that will push your faith. And, and if you miss it, don't beat yourself up about it. Just go back to God's word. Start to speak it over your life. Don't go by what you feel. Just start to put God's word in and let faith rise up until you're ready to step into what he has for you. Because this is the year of restoration. But like Dale says, when it comes to restoration, the first thing God does is, cool, let's shave off some of that old stuff. And he says that in John 15. He says, abide in me. If you abide in me and I abide in you, you can ask whatever you want. But you know what the first part of that chapter says? If you're going to walk with me, I'm going to prune you. If you don't walk with me, I'm going to cut you off. Altogether, but if you're going to walk with me, the first thing I'm going to do is actually prune you. I'm going to take the stuff out of your life that isn't of me so that you can grow the stuff that is of me. And that's hard, isn't it? Nobody likes to be cut. You know, we say we want to live on the, the cutting edge. You know what happens at the cutting edge? Things get cut. <laughs> that's why it's a cutting edge. And that's how it is in our walk with God. If you want God to do stuff in your life, you have to let him cut stuff out of your life. You have to let him bring healing. You have to let him shave it all back. And that's, that's emotionally hard, that's physically hard, that's spiritually hard, and it's not pleasant, and it's easy to pull it. And, you know, as a church, he's sort of doing that a little bit with us. 
is cutting back some of the stuff that's not really of him so that we're doing what he wants and taking us forward. And, you know, things like our worship can be hard. When our worship team sits up here and and just sings and plays and there's no words on the screen and we go, but that's not how it happened before. That's not what we're used to. But that's what God's doing. You know, it's interesting to walk through places like the Vatican and, and you see the, 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 the stuff that's been collected over the years, the beautiful artifacts and so on. But I was amazed how it just didn't impress me because it was the old. You know, and to see a place where they were, I mean, I love the Sistine Chapel. That was just beautiful seeing that. But the rest of it was sort of like, oh, let's just get through this. You know, and I've, I've done church history in depth. I've gone through a study. I understand where it all came from. Maybe that's part of the reason. But to say that it's just the old way of doing things and yet to see them holding on to the old. And we do that. We hold on to what is comfortable. We hold on to what we know, what is safe. And, and it's not that it's necessarily bad. It can be good. But just because it's good, it doesn't mean it's God. All right? Just because something is good, it doesn't mean for you it's God. For some people it might be. But for others it's not. And you have to learn to let go of some things that are good so you can have God's best. You know what I'm saying? See, we could have done with our holiday and we thought about it. You know, well, let's maybe just go to Queensland. It's going to have a holiday in Queensland. We'll go over there for a couple of weeks, have a nice time. You know, we've got, we've got the budget for Queensland. We can do that easily. And you know what? It would have been good. It would have been good. But it wouldn't have been God. Because it wasn't God's best for us. It wasn't what he was asking us to do. And if we had compromised there, we would have compromised in other areas. And so you have to let go sometimes of what is good. Even if it's been good in the past and it's been God in the past, it doesn't mean it's God now. You know what I'm saying? And this goes with all areas of life. Just because something worked before, it doesn't mean it's going to work now. It's like me going, oh, do you want to burn a new house and going back to the first house we ever bought because God did a miracle to make that happen? That wouldn't be God. See, that's what God was doing back 25, 26 years ago. It's not what God's doing now. And we have to be prepared to have God prune us and cut off even what he has done before. You know, just because you have a a tree and and it grows branches and then those branches bud into flowers and you get fruit. You know what happens to that fruit if you leave it hanging there? It goes rotten. It may have been good once, but eventually you've got to cut it off. You get a grapevine, you know, they grow up and they, they grow out and they produce amazing amount of fruit, but you know what happens if you don't cut that fruit off eventually? If you don't trim back those branches? It doesn't produce as much. That's why, you know, you go down south after they've done the pruning and, man, there's little stumps. 
So all that's left, this amazing vine that was covering this whole thing is now a little stump, and they've cut it right back. Why? So it can produce again. And not produce what it's produced before, but produce afresh. That's how God works. That's why he said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. And then he says, cut. I want to encourage you, what is God trying to cut out of your life that you're holding on to? What are you holding on that was good in the past and maybe been God in the past? But it's time to actually let it go and to move on. It's time to put it aside and say, that was great, but now I have to move on. Now I have to enter into what he has. What are the faith steps that he's placing in front of you that you're afraid to take? That it looks impossible. But you know that you know deep inside you it's where God's taking you. I want to encourage you, just take the next step. Take the next step. Because when you take that next step, you know, for us it was just buying the tickets. Then it was just getting on the plane and going step by step by step. And God provides step by step by step. He didn't provide the whole trip. You know, I got a laugh. A friend of mine went about three, four months ago. They had the whole trip planned, everything paid for before they even went, even their tours all paid for before they even went, and everything down to the last detail. And I thought, hmm. <laughs> you know, they just rocked up, printed things off, you know, had all these things, all the vouchers printed off, no worries, a nice file, just rocked up and presented vouchers. And I thought, hmm. Different journey. You know, and it's not that ours is bad or theirs is good. Or theirs is good and ours is bad. It's what God is taking us where we're at. You know, I actually wouldn't like a trip like that. It's too organized for me. (laughs) My family rolls their eyes when I say that. But it is, it's too organized. Where's the fun? But I want to encourage you, what's God doing? Are you pushing into what God's doing even though it hurts? If it hurts, it's a good thing. Because that means that he's sanding you back. You know, the next step after being sanded back, he starts to just fill back in the open wounds. Then he's going to sand back again. (laughs) But eventually, you create a beautiful piece of furniture. You create something that's useful and beautiful. And that's what God wants to do with you. He wants to take you into the next stage of your life and make you useful. He wants to take you into the next stage of your life and make you even more beautiful than what you already are. I know for a few guys that's just almost impossible, but God's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do that for us as a church. You know, we've come into this place and we're going, it's all good. And then the world's changed because God has a season. You know, I want you to pray, pray this week, especially for our board, because we've got to sit down and look at our whole building situation and what's going forward because God's stirring up some stuff in us that wasn't what we expected. We thought we had it sorted. And he went, no, 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 no let's, let's change this up a bit. 
So we have to make some decisions. It's good. Don't be afraid of it. It's good stuff. It's God taking us forward. We're talking about starting new campuses. It's a good thing. How does that work? I don't know. That's part of the problem. But this is where we just push into God and go, okay, we'll do what we can do. And he'll do the rest. Is it scary? Absolutely. Because you look at it and you go, it's not sustainable. It doesn't work out on the balance sheet. But it works out on God's balance sheet. I want to encourage you, embrace. We're halfway through the year. 18 weeks till Christmas. If you get paid fortnightly, that's nine pays until Christmas. (laughs) That's perspective, isn't it, when you put it that way? (laughs) Nine pays till Christmas if you get paid fortnightly. So essentially, over half the year is gone... Are you going to get to the end of the year and go, oh, I didn't step into what I could have and another year's gone? Are you going to let God prune you and shape you for what he has in the years ahead? Because there's no shortcuts. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you you're a good God. We thank you that you have a good plan for us, you have a good purpose for us. That, Lord, everything is in your hands. And we want to put ourselves in your hands, Father. You are the the master gardener. And we know that you desire to prune us, to cut stuff out of our life, that we can grow and be more fruitful. So, Lord, we just want to surrender ourselves to you now in this time. And we say, have your way. Have your way with us individually. Have your way with us as your church that you are glorified. Lord, if you've got to cut it out, then, then cut it out. That we may grow to be all that you made us to be. We want to bless you and honour you for all that you've done in our lives up to here. We just want more of you. More of you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.